the blast from our past network. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. This week, we are doing all of that in one episode as we bring you our second ever four pack. And this time, it's about the Batman. Dean, how's it going? It's going great, Tim. I'm excited to talk about my best friend, the Batman, today. Um, we have too many things to go through for me to pick a dumb quote, so I have nothing to ruin your day with. Then we should always do four packs. Every episode. Oh, maybe, yeah. Or I should have just came with four things to say. Oh, my goodness. No thanks, Yeah, Dean. I just, no I couldn't thanks. pick one. Hey, do you like Batman? You like Batman, Dean? Uh, hell yeah, man. I like Batman a lot. Cool. He's my guy. Cool. We did this before with Spider-Man. We talked about... Yes, also my guy. Also your guy. We talked about movies, comics, video games, and more, all in the same episode. It yep. was a tremendous amount of fun. It was it was also extremely exhausting um, to yeah. do all the pre-gaming for that. But uh, the listeners loved it. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining. Thanks for enjoying our Spider-Man four-pack. Glad you're checking this yeah. four-pack out. So we're going to be covering, Dean, the movie Batman Forever, the very first episode of the Batman 66 show. It's titled High Diddle Riddle. We're going to be doing the comic, Detectives comic number 439, the story... Night of the Stalker. And then we're going to be touching on a couple of video games. I'm going to be touching on Batman the Video Game for the uh, NES. You're going to be talking a little bit about Batman Returns for the Sega Genesis. Hell yeah! Hell yeah, man. That's some great stuff out there. Oh my goodness. I'm so pumped. These four packs, there's always so much shit to jam in here that I, I feel like we just got to get going. I know. Like last one, I felt like we were just like trying as fast as we could to get through everything. So I'm going to be more chill this one, but also we got a lot of shit to get through. So let's just get to it. Yeah, we got to We got to be moving. Like the last one, we got to the um, the more, which was a cartoon episode. And I feel like we just kind of were like, and this was a cartoon episode. And good night. Yeah, we watched it. <laughs> we watched it. We watched it. It was about Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it was a two parter. There were bad guys. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, hopefully we can um, touch a little bit more on everything. But that's only going to happen, yes. Dean, if we can, you know, make our way through all the material in a respectable amount of time. Yes, sir. Because as everybody knows, if you hit like the one hour and 30 minute mark, um, my microphone, it turns into a pumpkin. It does. Yeah, it's and true. And then that's it. That's we can't go any further. So, Yeah, I've seen it happen. <laughs> it's happened a couple times. Yeah. Anyways, um, anything you want to say um, before we get going? No, let's do it, man. All right. Let's do it then. Let's start off with the movie, Batman Forever. Okay. Do you want to say something or should I start? Uh, you can start. Let's hear what you have to say about Batman Forever before I That's go. a very bold choice of you, Dean. I know, I know. I just want to hear it. I just want to hear it first. Because <laughs> you know it's coming. <laughs> you know it's coming. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. Everybody, I feel like everybody knows what's coming here. I s- yeah, everyone, everyone is just uh, cringing in their seat right now. <laughs> yeah. I saw this in the theater when it came out. Wow. I was so excited for a third installment in the Batman franchise. Look, we had Batman. We had Batman Returns. Two of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, man. Let's get to Batman 3. Now, back then, I didn't know, like, really know about stuff like directors and people working behind the scenes. All I knew is there's a third Batman movie. Uh, as far as I know, everybody, all the same people are still working on it. So, I watched that movie. And when I came out of it, I said... Hey, there's a movie I'm never going to watch again, ever. I'm never, (laughs) ever. There's no reason for me to ever watch that movie again. This was back. We got you. (laughs) This was way back in 1995 before podcasts existed. And now that podcasts exist and we have one, I was forced to watch this movie again and relive all the joy that it brought me. The first time around where it made me never want to watch it again. Oh, cool. Cool. (laughs) Us and the listeners got you, Tim. We got you good. (laughs) Yeah. This is, this is your fault. I'm not blaming the listeners. The listeners had nothing to do with this. Okay. This is me. This is on me. Okay. Um, Tim, you went to bat for me. Oh, you went to Batman for me, um, with this movie, with our parents. I, I was almost not going to be allowed to see it. And you went and saw it in the theater. And I remember you coming home and telling our mom and dad that it would be okay for me to see as a little tyke. I would be okay to watch it. So thank you oh. for going to bat. It became it became one of my favorite movies as a kid. I absolutely loved it. Um, it currently sits at the bottom of my Batman rankings. <laughs> oh, whatever surprise, Batman. Surprise. Surprise, surprise. Whatever Batman movies you want to throw in there, I think it's still at the bottom. Um, except for I have seen the Batman serials from like the 30s, yeah. and those would be below this. I don't um, know but they're, Tim, they're a little bit below just because they're kind of racist. So we put Fair those enough. a little bit below this Fair one. Enough. This one's not that offensive. Um, but here's what I will say going into this viewing for this podcast, Um, one that I like a movie, a Batman movie that I just kind of know I don't enjoy a lot, uh, or at all, even I kind of, or at all, even, but, but I loved it a lot as a kid. So like there, there was that I loved it a lot as a kid. Um, 
going into this viewing, I think because I had set my sights pretty low, um, I kind of pulled out a lot more stuff that I enjoy about it than I thought I would. Oh my goodness. So I, I've got, oh. I've, uh, Tim. No, I knew you were going to do this. I, I have, knew you were going to do this. Yeah, I know. I have to. It's what I you do. I got to sit down and say, what is there to like about this movie? And then that's what I pull out. And this time, this sit down, it really reminded me, there's a video out there on the internet of a uh, uh, Greek soccer coach. And he's answering the question in a press conference. And I don't even know what he's answering. But his answer is, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. And that's what I feel like is this movie. This movie to me is sometimes maybe good and sometimes maybe shit. Mm. Yeah, I lean to the latter. And instead of sometimes, replace that with always. I, I know. I get it, Tim. I It's not good. I'm so happy you decided to, you know, decide to come to the podcast and say that you enjoy this movie because I'd expect nothing less out of you, Dean. Now, I can't <laughs> wait to hear you defend this sloppy mess. Okay. Uh, steaming hunk yeah. of oh mess hunk yeah. of hunk of sh shard. Um, I'll tell you what though, Dean. Yeah, it was released in 1995 with a budget of 100 million dollars. This uh -huh. movie grosses 336 million dollars. People love the Batman. People love the Batman. It grossed over 20 million on its opening day, the first movie to ever do that. It grossed wow. over $52 million in its opening weekend, the highest ever up to that point. And it grossed $77 million in its first week, which was only $4 million behind Jurassic Park's one-week record. And it would go on wow. to be the highest-grossing movie in the U.S. that year. That is an amazing feat, considering the quality of this movie. And I give all yeah. the credit to Batman 1 and Batman 2. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, man, lots of people love this one, though. That's that the thing. is not true. Whenever I... Br no, 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 no. Lots of people that are my age and went to this movie when they were a kid, it sticks with them. They just, they like it for some so reason. So do your worst nightmares. Yeah, that's true. Your worst nightmares do stick. You're right on that, Tim. They do stick with you. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Just because a movie sticks with you doesn't mean people liked it. Yeah. Hey, Pet Cemetery. I'll never forget Pet Cemetery. That's that's oh, yeah. coming with me until I go to my grave. But I, I didn't enjoy it. I don't want to see it again. Yeah. This movie and Pet Cemetery have a lot, a lot in common. Yeah, Tim. People. People love Batman. People go to the theater for Batman. I think that's what we found out covering these Batman movies. They're always breaking records. I'm sure the next one breaks some sort of record, and the next one breaks some Negative. sort of record. Negative. Everyone's... Oh, that's not the oh. case. Well, it's like the next one is just no I'm good? I'm sorry to cut you off. This is what happens, is that because uh... there isn't the internet and people letting you know how terrible the movie is, people just go because they want to find out for themselves. So this one peaked right. really high because of one and two. Batman and Robin tanked. Nobody wanted to see it because this okay. movie was so bad. So, yes, th it, it's mm -hmm. definitely that weird arc where, like, at the time, you were as good as your last movie. And whatever the, the current movie is that's out, that's going to do really good if people loved the last one. If they hated the last one, then that next movie is not going to do so good. So, Yeah. Um, okay. 
So how do you want to proceed with this movie, Tim? Okay, so I want to rip on it a whole lot. Okay, I have some. I have some bad. I have column two columns, bad and good. Sure. Okay, so what I have, um, this one, I couldn't even do any sort of a walkthrough because the movie is so convoluted. But I, the movie can't do a walkthrough of itself. <laughs> the, it doesn't even know how yeah. to get from start to finish. The movie itself was barely a walkthrough. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I just want to. I want to say a few things about why I think it's so bad, and then I've actually just yeah, broken great. it down um, into characters. And I've just, I like to talk about okay. each of the characters and out of that comes a lot of the things I want to say about the movie. That is perfect because I will say that my goods are centered around characters. So I can get to that when we get to characters. The very first line of the movie is this oh. cheesy, cheesy line. It's cheesier than any line in the first two movies where Alfred um, asks Batman as he's on his way out to fight crime, if he's hungry and wants anything. And Batman says he'll get takeout. Drive through. That was. I'll get drive. It was awful, and it was just. Yeah. It was all downhill from there. But yeah, it 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 that type of thing uh, adds my point. My kind of number one point is that the movie's lazy, and that show to shores shows right there. It's like let's start with a joke, but that joke doesn't even make sense. It's not even funny because there's no way Batman's actually going to get drive-through right. he's not driving that batmobile through drive-through so that's not funny it's funny if he said some sort of joke that maybe would have made sense or that joke really or, would have landed if he actually got drive-through send him through mcdonald's yes, it, yes. i would have actually True. laughed yeah. at that that would have been neat but just like yes. i'm gonna go i'll go drive through well okay cool man like do you think that's funny batman yeah it's and, and yeah, who, so are you tra you're trying like to impress joke just for yeah, alfred you're trying to impress alfred <laughs> With your terrible joke? Yeah. And Alfred was Good just one. Like standing there like, that's a stupid joke, Bruce. That was stupid. Yeah. He hated it. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of fast camera cuts in the movie. Super tight close-ups. I'm just left confused almost all yeah. the time as to what's happening. Um, everything looked cheap and fake uh, from the fighting to the sets to the effects. I just thought everything was pretty weak. I really don't yeah. understand the timeline of the movie. Like, for characters like Bruce and Chase, this movie seems to take place over maybe the course of a week. And then you have the Riddler, and his plot seems like it possibly takes place over the course of three or four years. But yet they're both in the right. same movie. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I guess you're not supposed yeah. to. But anyways. Well, they're, like the Riddler's hair goes from like red to brown seemingly within within hours of, and just back and forth back and forth red to brown i'm like is he dying it every single hour like is that's what's right. is that what's happening here it's probably not it's probably that it he died it and then had it that way for like a couple weeks and then died it to red and had it that way for a couple weeks and his layer like his 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 master layer yeah. hq that probably would have taken three years to build and where the hell did that come he from get, yeah. he, they rob one bank he gets a handful of money and then the next thing you know, he's got this gigantic layer out in the ocean. Yeah, I actually came in ready to just like say a bunch of good things about it, but I'm kind of feeling the bad things right now. Like I'm I'm feeling that, so I'm I'm like to jump on this uh, this bad things for a bit, and then we can maybe touch on some good things after. But I'm feeling the bad. I things I want right to get now. to your good things. Um, I want you to bring them up. Yeah. Hopefully, we can touch on them as we go through the characters. So uh, you know what, Dean? Yeah. Believe it or not, I actually what I actually have a couple of good things to say. 
Oh, wow. I actually thought you'd come with zero, so that is amazing. Let's talk about my good friend, Two-Face. I thought it was actually a pretty good performance by Tommy Lee Jones. I think he went for it. He sure as hell went for it. He was trying to live up to the standards that had been placed before him by Jack Nicholson, by Danny DeVito, by Michelle Pfeiffer. I just don't I just don't know if he had it in him. But you could tell he was trying to do the masterful performance. He's just the wrong yes. guy. Yes. So what I, Yeah, what I would say about Tommy Lee Jones is there are moments in the movie when he is fantastic and probably the best part of the movie. And then there are moments in the movie when I think he's the worst part of the movie. I think he goes too hard for it. Um I think he is just being Jack Nicholson Joker. He's just trying to do that. There's too much laughing. There's too much craziness and crazy talking that I'm just like, he's in my head, he's just trying to do that and he's not as good. It's times where he pulls it back a bit and starts to say those lines that have to do with duality and stuff where I'm like, okay, this I like. This Two-Face I like when he's pulled back and then all of a sudden he'll turn his face and be a little bit crazy. But just the constant craziness and laughing is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, he did not look very good. I've seen scarier Halloween masks than his makeup. He looks really bad. That's actually one of the reasons why I remember you talking to our parents about why I could go to the movie. And one of your reasons was that Two-Face doesn't even look bad. It looks like he's wearing a mask. So he's not even scary. Um I One of the lazy points for me as well is he would constantly use we and us. And then sometimes he would say me. And I just, what the hell? Why are you ever saying me when you're going to be going with we and us? Like, that's your thing. Your thing is that you are two people. So if he ever said, like, do you mean me? <laughs> like, what? where did that come from? You're supposed to say, do you mean we or do you mean us? Yeah, if you want to continue on the lazy train, they do a flashback where he gets, like, the acid thrown in his face. And he's got this yeah. folder <laughs> that he holds up across half of his face to cover his face then the acid gets thrown at him and he moves the folder out of the way so it's only covering his ear and his entire face gets covered in the acid but then there's this perfect line right in the middle of his face where the acid landed like who's not catching that it was so lazy in editing how are you not just saying like let's do that one more time uh, Tommy, can you just keep the folder in front of half of your face? <laughs> exactly. Let's take that one more time. It was please. brutal. Um, I did like yeah. his character, though. Um, I liked the aspect that he was pure mayhem in this movie. All he wanted to yeah. do was terrorize and destroy. That was it. He he cared about um, not much else other than that. Yeah, and um, dependency on the coin is fantastic. Yes. I think opening up with him with a hostage and flipping the coin and have it come up good and then he doesn't kill him is a perfect way to set up the movie instead of it being coming up bad and he kills him. I like that it comes up good and he doesn't. So then we just don't know from then on. Like anybody from then on, any flip that he does, we could be thinking that that person's going to be saved. If he does just flip this on the good side, we are okay here and it's and he's going to be saved. Yeah. If it starts out with him killing the person on bad, 
we are still unsure because we just know he's a bad right. guy. So we're unsure if he flips it good, if he's actually going to trust it or not. So I love opening on trusting the coin. It sets up a great um, dependency for him on that coin. Yeah, they did a good job with that. There was one scene where yeah. he wanted to get in on the action, but he would only do it if his coin told him he could. And he flipped yeah. it over and over again and it kept landing on heads and he wouldn't get in the action. And he's just kind of sitting there just like yeah. ready and eager to get in, but he wouldn't go until the coin told him to. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, love that. I will say one nice touch um that was a pretty good attention to detail whereas you know most of the stuff was lack of attention to detail there was one part at a party where two-face is drinking two different glasses of wine at the same time yes. one for each side of his face i thought that was great yes they actually had two That's different great. color liquids so like one yeah. one personality likes one one likes the other that was a nice touch so fun. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Riddler. Okay. The Riddler, I think is a really tough character to portray. So I don't mind how he was portrayed here in this movie. Like Jim Carrey is yep. basically being Jim Carrey, but I don't mind it. I think it kind of works for the Riddler. I like Edward Nigma a lot. I like when he is being, um, like before he's the Riddler and he's just being Edward. I like that a lot. I like his craziness. I think it does fit at the beginning doing his sort of Jim Carrey thing. As soon as they team up, as soon as he becomes the Riddler and he teams up with Two-Face, now you just have two crazy happening. You know, there's nothing. It's just like two people being crazy at each other. And I think he his performance kind of uh, just fades away a bit for me and and maybe becomes, I don't know, becomes too goofy or something because they're both doing it. I'm not sure, but it just doesn't quite work for me when they're both doing stuff in the same room. I like him when he's by himself doing his own thing. So I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, that's just that's just how I feel about him. And there's parts, again, parts in the movie, I really like him. And parts in the movie where I'm like, I don't know if I can handle this guy anymore. Yeah, I only like the dynamic of them together in a room when they're fighting or arguing. Right, him yeah. Two -face. Uh, so Yeah, when they're friends, it's just, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really work. Yeah. So Riddler is the guy in the movie with like the master plan, which is for him to steal intelligence from the people of Gotham so that he can be super smart. That's an interesting idea, but I feel like they didn't do anything with it. I think it, they could have done yeah. some really cool stuff if he actually started to get smarter as he was taking in the intelligence. I would have loved to have seen his master plan actually changing and being adjusted as he gets smarter but they didn't do that he yeah, was just always true. the same he no. was always baseline we're supposed to believe he's getting smarter but he's just this, the same guy all the time i did actually really like the bit of um physical transformation that they did to him uh in, in the movie yeah, so true. near yeah. the end we get a bit of a voice change there's also some weird like head warping that happened uh, when his device gets destroyed. So I liked that. Yeah. Uh, I could have gone for even more than that, even maybe like a physical change. But I really wanted to see him gain intelligence, show us how smart he's becoming. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You don't get that at all because he starts off very smart already. He already made that device. Like, so he already starts off as a genius. You don't really know how gaining extra knowledge helps him in any way. It doesn't like improve his plan in any way, except it, he got two face. 
he like it convinced Two Face to be with him. Like I guess that's the best, the the smartest he got was just to convince a villain to join him. Yeah, basically. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Chase Meridian, okay. who I would consider a waste of a character. I'll I'll let you get it. Little... I'll let you get into it yeah, first here okay. because. Um, yeah, yeah, misplaced sexual um, tension or uh, whatever. So I, fe- I have felt that in the past. I felt that this is just, yeah, misplaced sexual tension, a waste of Nicole Kidman. Um, I have come around to a different opinion on this watch, and that is after watching so many superhero movies and having no sexual chemistry between just super fans of superheroes and superheroes, I watched this and said, this is probably a real person. This is probably someone who exists, someone who is completely, who would be just like completely absorbed by a superhero and completely like focused on them. And all they want to do is just do whatever they can, go find the bat signal, turn it on, be on the roof in lingerie. Like I liked that this person was so just sexually charged for Batman. I thought it actually made her more of like a regular person. I don't so much mind like how sexually charged she was. It's just that was her entire character. That's my problem with it. Um, No, no, I know. 100% true. That is for sure bad. The first two movies, they give us very strong female characters. Okay, Vicky Vale already did the obsessive bat thing. I feel like this was just a rehashing of that. Not very intelligent. But you've got these really strong characters who added to both of those movies then you go this route with this over-sexualized boy-crazy character. Um, she's supposed to be, or she's not supposed to be, she is a doctor. She's like a doctor, I believe, of psychiatry. Um, yeah. How about since she's supposed to be so smart, how about she helps Batman figure out the riddle, the Riddler's clues or his plan or something like that? Get them working together. If you want to have her like sexually charged the way she is, that's fine, but I still think that you can make her this powerful, intelligent character that they're presenting to us with her job and in a couple scenes, but then they just kind of do away with it. They don't, they don't go anywhere with it. Um, unfortunately, they didn't even need her to help with Riddler's clues because his riddles just kind of suck, so nobody needs help with them. Tim, not only do they suck... I don't know if you noticed this. The answers to them don't matter at all with the plot at all. No. They don't use the answers to the riddles for anything. No. And the grand finale answer to all of the riddles when Batman figures it out is just his the Riddler's name. That's it. Yes. Nothing else. It's just his name. It's just his name. Who cares? Who cares? I do feel like, Tim, I do feel like this type of riddle solving is throwing back to the Batman show of the 60s. However, it is misplaced in this movie because this movie doesn't think it's a joke. This movie thinks it is both a joke and serious at the same time. It's both trying to be extremely serious, but also trying to be jokey. And so a riddle like this doesn't work. It just comes off as stupid. If this movie knows it's dumb, like the 60s show knows it's dumb, then it would have worked. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think, uh, I think that, that you're right. That character Chase is wasted and she could have helped him with riddles. But instead, this is what she did. 
Batman brought her, or Bruce brought her two riddles. She solved the first one, and then she couldn't solve the second, so the man, Bat the man Bruce had to step in and solve it for her, just proving that he's smarter than her in this movie. So that is shitty, and she should have been used better. I'm with you. I really like Nicole Kidman. She's gorgeous yeah, she in was this great. movie. I think she did a great job. She owned the role that was given to her. She just wasn't given a lot to work with. Yeah, totally. I like, yeah. So I like the part of her that is so obsessed with him, um, but uh, there needs to be more to her. Now, let's move on to young Dick Grayson, played by Chris O'Donnell. Whatever happened to this guy? No idea. Um, like, I mean, he's been on one of those NCISs for 10 years or something, okay. but uh, no clue what happened to this guy. Tim, this is my favorite part of the movie, is Dick Grayson. Dean, we agree on that. Yes. He's good. He is really good as Dick Grayson. He often pulled me out of my boredom in the movie. Yeah. Whenever there was totally. a, um, a Dick Grayson scene, I was like, oh, that was uh, kind of an interesting minute or two that we just got right there. So, yeah, I, I totally yes. agree. Um his family gets killed in front of him in the movie by Two-Face's gang. And Bruce Wayne feels bad for him and takes him under his wing. And I liked it. I thought it really worked. Yeah. It, like, if you, if you were to tell me that, it sounds cheesy. But they actually did a good job with it in the movie. And I bought into it. Even the way that he kind of convinced Dick Grayson to stick around. Because at the beginning, Dick Grayson wanted just to, to leave. He's yeah. like, I'm not going to stay with you. I don't want to. It was really believable the way that he kind of yeah. like encouraged him to stay. So, yeah, I'm with you. Dick Grayson, best part of the movie. And I never thought I would have said that. Totally. I even thought going into it, like, even though I've seen it before, I thought going into it this watch, I would not still, I would not like him. But uh, he's the best part of the movie. I think Chris O'Donnell does a fantastic job. He has the right um attitude like he has the right edgy Definitely. attitude as dick grayson who's like who is an adult the funny thing is he's an adult in this movie and he and like it's it's not that he's supposed to be a high school student they say it like batman says at one point that he's a college student so he's an adult and for some reason he has to stay with this like rich guy who's just adopted him or whatever is taking him in um i love his edgy attitude i think it totally works he has some badass scenes um, and I, I always like when a story does lean into, um, Bruce having compassion for kids who have lost their parents because that's exactly what happened to yeah. him. So I love when stories recall that and, and let you know that this is what he would open his heart to this kid because this is his exact experience. He's been through it. He knows what it, what it does to you. So that a great part of the movie. Yep. Agreed. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. His Robin costume like before Alfred made him a costume was yeah. just perfect. It was the perfect original perfect. Yeah. yellow and green Robin costume. It was great. Yeah. And I, I will say just to quickly go to that circus scene, that is probably my favorite Two-Face. So that's where he's just like chaos level is just right yep. for me. He's not just making dumb jokes and laughing his head off. He's like actually menacing and crazy in that yep. scene. Yep, there were a couple scenes like that. Those are my favorites, where he just walks yeah. in, guns yeah. a bunch of stuff down, exactly. robs a bunch of people, and leaves. Absolutely takes over, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I, I want to criticize, though, about the whole 
Chris O'Donnell Robin thing. I know it was great for the movie. It was a lot of fun. I do not buy the fact that he was just able to jump into the Batmobile and steal it from the Batcave. There's no way in my mind you can hop into the Batmobile and understand how to drive it if you're not Batman or if you haven't had lessons. There's no way. I agree. So that kind of just pulled me out of it. I agree, Tim. Also, what pulled me out of it, it happens twice in this fucking movie, is somebody falls into the Batcave, somebody finds the Batcave, the intruder alert goes off, and the Batmobile pops up. Right. What is that? Why is the Batmobile popping up on an intruder alert? It should not be. What is that intruder alert even saying? Because it's not saying intruder alert. It's saying something like, it's like, I know. Intruder. Intruder. It's like, it's like, what? Intruder alert. Intruder alert. Intruder alert. Intruder alert. I wouldn't even be worried if I broke into that place. I don't even understand what's happening. It's like I'm being. You break in and the Batmobile comes up for you to make a getaway because apparently you can just drive it. Exactly. Great. Batmobile. Bullshit. Intruder. All right. Let's move on to the last and most important character of the Batman. Okay. Who seemed yeah. to me like a bit of a mess of a character in this movie. I really like Val Kilmer. So I sort of didn't mind him as Bruce Wayne. I thought he did yeah. um, kind of an okay job there. Again, same as Nicole Kidman. He was working with what he was given. I think he did. He did just fine. But yeah, my um, my joke for this movie for Val Kilmer has always been that the cardboard cutout of Val, Val Kilmer does a great job in this movie. Um, I'd like to take that back because I do think that he is trying to be this flat. He's trying to play a Bruce Wayne that is just unimpressed with everything, which I do like. I do like a bored Bruce Wayne who has to go out and be Batman because that's the only way he can get his excitement. So I actually do like him in this movie and appreciate him. Yeah, I do as well. Again, I like the way that he brought Robin in, um, feeling bad for seeing his family killed in front of him. But my problem with with the Batman is he's supposed to be this strong Batman character that we're used to seeing in one or two, who is so hyper-focused on keeping people safe. That's all he cares about. Nothing else other than keeping people safe. And in this movie, in the midst of the Riddler and Two-Face utterly destroying Gotham City, he just decides to give up being Batman because he he mm-hmm. loves Chase. Yeah. That is so offensive it's ridiculous. to what the first two yeah. movies gave us that yeah. I throw up. Uh, he also falls for every single trap that is set for him in this movie, which again is fucking ridiculous. Batman doesn't fall for traps. Batman is one step ahead of everyone always. He falls for three or four just traps of like, hey, run over here. And he just does it. Like, it's so stupid. I hate it so much. And also, uh, yeah, you're you're 100% right. Like, he's going to give up being Batman at like the peak, the peak of the city being taken over. No No way, way, no chance utterly unbelievable yeah i can't even yeah there's no way you can make me believe that it's just so unbelievable no if this is 
if this is supposed to be the same universe, this guy does fall in love instantly, but it's because he just wants someone else to connect with. It never has made him want to give up being Batman. I guess he did with Catwoman, but that's way different because they are the exact, like they're so similar and he's trying to get her to stand down from killing someone. He's like, let's just give it all yeah. up. Um, totally, totally different in this circumstance and worse. Like Batman falling in love tracks. Batman immediately yeah. wanting to give up his identity to the woman that he is now now has a crush on. That tracks as well. Tracks. That happens in all, happens in all yeah. the movies. Batman yes. deciding not to help out people anymore because he's in love is absurd. That's the complete opposite yeah. of what this character is. So, yeah. Get, that's get why he the loses the women because because he can't do that, right? Tim, like that's why he loses his relationships because he can't give up being Batman. Yeah. He is Batman. His mask is, is Bruce Batman. Wayne. Yes. Yes. Heck yes. Okay. So let's talk about the end of the movie. Oh my God. The Riddler has Chase and Robin strung up above a pit. Yes. And I will say, Tim, before we go any further, this was not their plan because... They only have Robin because Robin kind of gave himself up by not killing Two-Face in in the moment he had to kill him. So I want to know what their plan was going into this thing because it was Batman and Robin coming to save Chase. So what was going to be their plan? All of a sudden they caught Robin and they're like, oh, I know, I know. We'll do the two, the two tunnel thing. That's what we'll do I, here. I think they assumed they would catch Robin. Wow. Big assumption. It's a big assumption. He had Two-Face. He had him. He had him, but he didn't kill him. Yes. Also, sorry, again, right before we get to it, the holy rusted metal Batman oh thing is absolutely goodness, ridiculous, and so I hate stupid. it. Just have him say the yes. line. Don't have it be that you're walking on ground that's metal and full of holes. Yeah. That doesn't even make any sense. Just have him say that goofy line. Again, lean into it just being goofy. Yeah, if you have to explain a joke, it, it's not going to work. It reminded me of those 70s comics where the writer like tries to explain oh, yeah. a panel because he, they yeah. think we're too dumb to understand it. And they're like, hey, you yeah. would understand this joke if you read the last issue. Meanwhile, we're like, oh, no, we understood it just fine. We Leave got us it. alone. We've read a comic before. So okay, here, here's my problem. Here's my problem with all this. So they get Batman. Yeah. Right, they've got Batman shows up. Robin's in one tube. Chase is in another tube. They're gonna get, they're gonna get dropped into these pits, um, just death at the bottom. Rocks, jagged rocks. Yeah, their rocks. pods gonna rocks. get killed, crushed. They're gonna die. Oh yeah. R Riddler yeah. says this is the greatest uh, riddle of all. Right? Who who do you save? Uh, what do you course. do? Yeah. What do you do? It's a, it's gonna be impossible to save them both. Because they're going down, yeah. they're each going down their own tube. You can only go down one tube to save them. So this, it, this I'm like, wow, this is actually, what's he going to do? This is it. What is yeah, Batman going to do? Who's he going to choose? Yeah. His love for Chase or his kind of admiration and sympathy for yeah. Robin? Yeah. Riddler drops them both. Mm -hmm. And we learn... They're now somehow both going down into the same pit, the same tube. Same pit. That's yeah. not what they just showed us. They showed us nope. them each above their own pit. 
Now they did. they're both falling into the same pit, which would be very easy for Batman to jump yeah. down in and save both of them at the same time because there's only a single pit. And that's exactly what he does. Hey, Riddler, how about two pits where you force yep. Batman to make a choice? This fucking mega million dollar installation that actually rises out of the ocean. Yeah. He only built one, one pit. pit. One, they only got the budget for one Get pit. Get the fuck out of here, Riddler. Get you suck, dude. You're stupid. Intelligent? Yeah. No. Stupid. No. Nope. Yes. It's not even impressive. He does it. Batman so does dumb. it. And I'm like, I'm not even impressed. This is the opening to the movie. And it's not even, this should open the movie up and it shouldn't even be like the final thing he does. This should just be like something he did to start the movie off. Like it's not exciting at all. He drops them both. And they're just falling side by side. Batman, Batman just has just to grab jumps one, down and saves uh, them both. grapple hook, grab the other, done. I saved the day. I'm Batman. I can do whatever. It's so dumb. It sucks. Sucks. Totally sucks. Um, Batman kills Two-Face. What the fuck? Ro uh, Robin just saved Two-Face because yes. of Batman's teaching of like, don't, you don't want to kill anybody. You don't want to kill anybody. So he saves Two-Face. Yeah. Three minutes later, Batman kills him. What was that all Batman about? Batman kills him right in front so of him. What is, is he that trying to save Robin from like murdering somebody, but Batman's happy just to take the murder on himself? This kills him. I guess, really but like he's just, he's just telling the kid, don't take vengeance. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. He convinces the kid not to, and then he kills him. He takes it from him, and you can just see on Robin's face. Robin's just like, uh, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> that was, that was I my guy. to do that. I, I I told you. I told you about Two Face. Yeah. That was I mean, my actually, idea. the look on his face was like, yeah. He was like, yeah. I know. He, he was trying to like his parents, but he was trying to process it. Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to be okay with it. Let hey hey, here's an idea. Let Robin have that moment. How about that? If you're yeah. gonna kill him anyways, let Robin do it. Here's what really happened. Batman knew that he had a, a sack full of coins. And he's like, well, if Dick kills him, then I'm going to oh, the yeah, sack right. full of coins is useless. Right. So I need to be able to use the sack full of coins. Yeah, that was actually pretty good. I liked when he threw all the coins up and Two-Face kind of fell oh, it's a great, off the, yeah. uh, whatever. Yeah. Going for the coins. but uh, Great idea to ha of how to get rid of Two-Face, for sure. Definitely. So Riddler has lost his mind because of this machine and all these thoughts right. and intelligence going into his head. So he's put in Arkham Asylum. I love that. I love anything yep. to do with Arkham Asylum. And of course. that's the end of the movie. All right. I Great. Let's move will on. will never watch it again <laughs> starting yeah. now. Let's move cool. on. I will watch it again. I will watch it again because I have slight enjoyment by the movie. Oh, man. I, okay. Well, I want to I call you on that. What is your mood yeah. where you sit down? And out of all the movies out there, you decide Batman Forever is going to be a better choice than something else. Tim, only on my watch throughs of Batman. Like if I'm watching through the franchise, I, I love to travel through a franchise and just see how stuff changes. So I will do this. I will go back in an, in a couple years. I'll go back to Batman and I will run through them and I will watch through them. And it's part of it. It's part of it's supposed to be part of that pack. So I will watch that one. Okay. Again. See, that makes sense to me. You're yeah. I will never choose it over another the way movie. you're watching it is you're doing a, 
of a franchise walkthrough. So that that's that yep. makes sense. Exactly. Let's move on yep. to our comic. Detective Comics number 439, Night of the Stalker. This was released in 1974. And Detective Comics number 439 was a compilation of a few stories based on a few different superheroes, with Night of the Stalker being one of them. Now, the story gets going really quick here as Batman witnesses a couple robbers kill two innocent people in broad daylight. It's very bold. And they leave the young boy alive. Parents are killed, young boy left alive. Batman's watching, and this triggers him, obviously, because of what happened to his family. So he grabs one of the shooters, he beats the shit out of him, then quickly runs after the escape car with the other thugs in it. Love it. This, for me, why I why I like this and why I like this opening right here is because there's like there's like lots of sides to Batman that I like. And he is vengeance. He says, I am vengeance. And this to me, especially right now, is is him being vengeance. He sees something that triggers him so hard, reminds him of what happened to his parents, reminds the oath he took when that happened to his parents. And he's turning on it now. And it's like, I right now, I am vengeance and you will pay. And I love this. This is tough, Batman. Yes. So Batman catches up to their car. And I love the like the narrative as this is all happening. Yeah. It just It's so... Um, I don't know. It's so like majestically written just the way they're describing the Batman and how effortlessly he does things. And they're just saying in as much time as it's taking to describe him leaping over a couple buildings to get to the car, he's done it. It was really, it's really elegant writing. And they basically just say like, he so quickly catches up to the car and then he's riding on top of it, which was very cool. Visually, yes. it was very cool where he gets on top and he's just Batman on top of this car, cape spread out. Um, the thugs, they pull over because Batman's on top of their car. They, they get out, they see him, and then they start yeah. shooting. They just all start unloading right at him. Yeah. And then as the smoke clears, like there's nothing. There's no Batman or anything. He's, he's gone. gone. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. Really cool. It's so good. It's it's just like you would see in, you know, the 89 movie when they people would be shooting at him and he just did like like uh, disappear in the smoke, something like that. It's so cool. It's so um, it's like so scary for those criminals in that moment. It's so mythical of like the Batman. What is he? Is he just like a legend? We saw him and we shot at him, but then he was gone. I, I love that stuff. Yeah. Just makes him so scary. Yep, exactly. Now, one of the men sees Batman again and tries to run him off a cliff. Like he tackles Batman over the edge. Yes, Tim, but right before this happens, it's one of my favorite parts in the comics. When they see Batman, he's standing near that cliff and he is holding the keys to their car and he just drops them at his feet, just tempting them to come get him, to come get the keys. He's like, you want these keys? Dangle, 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 drop. Right. Well, yeah, what I thought was more cool was how he, like, how did he get those keys? So while they're oh, yeah. shooting at him, he not only avoids the bullets, not only disappears in the smoke, 
but he somehow gets to their keys. He goes, he doubles back to their car, takes the keys, yeah. then goes to the edge of the cliff. It was really cool. Love it. Love yeah, it. he drops the keys. Uh, they don't seem to care about them. This one guy just tries to run him off the cliff. Um, that doesn't work, though. Uh, Batman obviously, you know, catches both of them uh, and now has captured that guy. The other uh, bad guys, though, the other thugs, this is their chance to escape. So they get the keys. They get back in the car. They take off. But 30 minutes later, Batman crashes through the door of their hideout one of the thugs throws himself through a window to try to get away. He's so terrified. Batman yeah. chases him down, but the thug hits Batman in the head with a rock and then tries to drown him in the river. But it's just not meant to be as Batman pulls the man under the water with him, smiles at him, and then punches him up through the water. Which was cool. Yes. The the face-to-face -face panel of them underwater. Uh, my number one favorite part of the issue. When the guy just thinks he's so victorious. It was just him, his bare fists, and a rock that knocked out Batman. And Batman pulls him into the water. He had total control of the situation. I love how that looks. How he's just smiling at him. And when he pulls him down, you can see the guy was wearing glasses. You can see his glasses just kind of fly in the air. Because um, that's how fast he's pulling him down. Best part for me. I love it. Yeah, it was a good moment. Because this guy... Like after he hit Batman with the rock and Batman fell into the water, he's inner monologuing about like, oh, did I just do it? Yeah. Did I just beat the Batman? And he's like, all those villains ahead of me, Joker, Penguin, none of them could do right. it. But I did it. You know, me, uh, random thug number three, I stopped Batman. And then Batman <laughs> just pulls him under the water and is just like, nope, I'm just down here holding my breath. Just he's Batman's probably just training. He's like, okay, I got hit in the head with the rock. Let's see how long I can hold my breath under the water for before I have to come up. Totally. It's, it's fantastic. Now, Batman gets to the last thug, who's a younger boy and is very, very terrified. He's screaming and he's crying for this all just to end. And Batman realizes this isn't as he says, a vicious man. It's just a boy, and he leaves him be. Batman returns to Wayne Manor, takes off his cowl, and starts crying. And we read, Bruce Wayne long ago learned to live with the death of his parents, but when he thinks about the boy sobbing in the street from earlier, then the other boy sobbing before Batman... He remembers himself sobbing so many years ago. And in this single moment in infinity, he is that boy again. And the end. Yeah, man. That was an excellent ending that I was not expecting. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like I was mentioning before. The thing that I love is just when you bring Batman back to you know, what happened to him as a kid. I love when it's it's like stemmed back to that and it and it, it shows him sort of opening up his heart to um, kids that would be in similar situations. And then that just remind, remembering what happened to that kid reminds him of what happened to him as a child. And that's just breaking him because that's why he does it. That's why he puts on the, 
the suit every single day is because this one thing happened to him. So I love bringing it back to that. Um, it's, it's a fantastic issue of just like a brutal, scary Batman. It's really short and quick. Um, I yeah. do love that saying at the end, like it really connected with me where it says, and in this single moment in infinity, he is that boy yeah. again. Like yeah. it's this moment that will live on forever for him. It has become an infinite yeah. moment, right? He's never going to forget that moment in time. And I've never really heard it put so well before, but he remembered himself sobbing so many years ago. And in this single moment in infinity, he is that boy again. I loved it. You talked about the writing so much. You mentioned it a couple times. And Steve Englehart is top five Batman writer for me. Um, he's not known um, a lot if you're like a collections reader, because I actually haven't collected a lot of his Batman stories together. Um, but if you've gone through single issues, he did a, a storyline back in the 70s called Strange Apparitions, which um, fans who were reading it in the 70s uh, it was just one of the their favorite Batman arcs. It's it's kind of known as one of the best Batman arcs there has ever been, but it's not. You don't find it on lists when you like Google it because it hasn't been collected. So it's not something you can just buy and put on your shelf. So when you like Google best Batman graphic novels or best Batman collections, you don't get it. You don't show up. But if you check out Strange Apparitions and figure out what the issues those are. Fantastic Batman arc and Steve Englehart, one of the best Batman writers. So beautiful. Yeah. Uh beautiful writing. The art was okay. It was nothing nothing Art's to okay. write home yeah. about. It was it was okay. Yeah. Beautiful writing. Um, so much heart in this story. I love yeah. that the stalker, like it's called Night of the Stalker. The stalker is referring to Batman. That was yeah. not what I was expecting. I thought that was a great twist that he is the stalker. Uh, Batman felt like a wild animal to me in this issue. He was just, he was just hunting. He just, he takes all the guys down. Batman does not utter a single word in this issue. He has a couple internal yeah. thoughts, but it's just like an animal going out. Yeah. I loved it. I love that he says nothing. I thought that was so cool. And just with all his power, all his vengeance, his unwavering pursuit of criminals. Uh, in the end, he sobs. I just thought it was so beautiful. Such a great Batman story. Yeah, you see him go out on the street and all that anger come out through his fists. And then you see him go home and all that sadness come out with his with his crying. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, I own the issue. I don't know if you can see it over my shoulder here, Tim. It's in my display case right there. Oh, okay. Um, nice. I see it. I yeah. see it. I, I, uh, I love it. It's one of one of my favorite Batman issues, and one of the uh, one of my prize items that I own and I, I put on. Oh, display. for sure. Yeah, I was able to purchase it on Comixology for one dollar and ninety nine cents. So, hey, perfect. Yeah. It was for the podcast, so I was willing to drop you know whatever it was going to cost. I was hoping yes. it wouldn't be more than yes. like ten bucks or something, but pleasantly surprised with the one ninety nine price tag. So. Great. This was a bit more than one ninety nine. The physical was, copy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our and more segment. 
where we will be talking about Batman 66, episode number one, High Diddle Riddle. Wow. Now, released in 1966, this TV series runs for three years and 120 episodes. Now, for anyone who's not familiar with this show, it's mostly known for its campy but upbeat feel, its heavy use of captions and sound effects during fight sequences, and its in-your-face messaging to the audience of how to be a better person. With such comments as always wear your seatbelt, be sure to do your homework, eat all of your vegetables, and drink all of your milk. Great. It's wholesome. Tim, wholesome. I'm like, I, we haven't talked about how you felt about this episode. I'm sure you loved it, but I just, I just have to say this is, it's got to be one of the great, greatest pilots of all time. Like this, this show is so fucking good. It's so crazy. It's so bonkers and wild and goofy, and it knows exactly what it's doing. And that it's centered around Batman is just something that's so cool now. You know, Batman has to be so dang cool. All the Batman movies now are just, he's so tough. And I mean, we just talked about uh, an issue of comics that is awesome, where he's so tough and he is vengeance. And this is the goofiest thing you could do with Batman. This show is genius. And I think this episode, this pilot specifically, is genius. I agree. Um, it's it's one of the best, I would say it's one of the best shows ever. I think so. It's weird, but it is. It's different. It's not what you'd expect, but it's so well done. It's so well done. Um, A great sign of how good something is, like a TV show or a movie, is how fast time goes by. And I couldn't believe how fast this 25-minute episode went by. Then I I started to think, like... yeah. If I watched four of these episodes, that would be the same as watching Batman Forever. And Batman Forever felt like forever. And this show was so fast. It felt like it went by in about three minutes, four minutes. That's literally how long this episode felt like. So you know you're doing something right when a show goes by that fast. There are things in this episode that are more ridiculous than the things that were in Batman Forever. But Batman Forever, like I said before, is just trying to be cool and funny at the same time, which uh, the way they executed it made it very uncool. This show knows exactly what it is. It's so campy. It's so goofy. We'll talk about some of these plot points, I think, uh, in a little bit. You Maybe you'll break down the story. But... Uh, Knowing exactly what it is, is a lot, is a lot, uh, as part of the enjoyment. Like it, it adds to that enjoyment. They know what they're doing. So the joke that would be dumb is actually super funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to do a, a quick background just because this is our first entry okay, into the series before yeah. we get to the story. Perfect. Uh, but after a few attempts to launch this show fail, 20th Century Fox gets the rights and hands the project over to a William Dozier. And 20th Century Fox was expecting a fun but serious adventure show. Uh, Dozier, who had never read a comic book before, decides to read some comic books. And after doing that, he figures that the only way to make this show work 
was to do it as a pop art campy comedy. Now, they originally had an espionage novelist lined up to script the show, but he dropped out after learning of the campy comedy approach. So there could have been a very different show if they had gone with that espionage route. That would have also been a very interesting and I think a very good show, but that's just not the way that it ended up. Yeah. Before getting the roles of Batman and Robin... Adam West and Burt Ward went head-to-head with another duo in a couple of screen tests to determine which duo would become the dynamic duo. And we know who won. Yeah, I think I've actually seen some of these screen tests, and I I think they are... uh, This duo was far better at capturing the campiness. So we start off with the Riddler crashing the World Fair and leaving a riddle. Why is an orange like a bell? We cut to Commissioner Gordon, who goes right to the red phone and calls for Batman. And at Wayne Manor, we see Bruce entertaining a group of people where he immediately starts to get dark, talking about the death of his parents. That came real quick. Yeah. (laughs) He gets to it right away. He just gets right to it. Um, Alfred alerts him to the call. They grab Dick Grayson and go to the bat phone. The commissioner lets them know the Riddler is on the loose. Mm -hmm. So they take the bat poles down into the bat cave and the two bat poles had their names on it. Great. And that is completely unnecessary because why don't you just remember that yours is on the left and mine is on the right? And really, what's really happening when you go down that pole? I don't think as you go down that pole, you're landing in your costume. You're just landing in the Batcave or, you know. No, I think they suit up on the way down. Eh, They probably land in a room or something like that. Anyways. Right. You think they land, change, and then get on another pole and go down. Well, that makes more sense than as they're sliding down a pole, they costume up. (laughs) It makes more sense, Tim. That's true. But. This is just one of the many visual it's cues what it is. Yeah. this show yeah. shares with the audience just to help the audience understand. And I don't actually have a problem with this. Again, this is more of like this 70s comic book stuff where they they take the viewer for granted. They don't they don't give us much credit, right? And that's fair because back in the 60s, you haven't seen a lot of TV. So I think it makes sense to like share on screen a little bit more with what you're trying to get across. Nowadays, yeah. we're very sophisticated viewers. We've seen so much stuff. We don't need a name tag on something. We'll figure it out. If we don't figure it out, doesn't matter. We don't care. But this was very much, I think, helpful for the for the viewers of the time just to understand. Um, you know, th- th- well, they didn't have to understand. Like, they didn't have to use their brain, basically. It's like, here's what's happening follow the story. We'll make it easier for you to follow the story because we'll tell you a little bit what's happening. And this is just a case of that. And there's many cases like this in the show where Batman would open up something on his utility belt. It would say Batarang, right? Like he, it's labeled. He doesn't need to know it's labeled Batarang. I'm sure he knows where it is, but when he goes into his utility belt, it says Batarang. So the audience knows he's pulling out a Batarang. You know, another time he pulled out a bat hook, right? So it's like, okay, he's pulling out a bat hook. 
that helps the audience understand what that is and what he's going to be doing with it. I, yeah, and I think it's also leaning into the campy goofiness. Um, I think maybe they might have, when they were like starting to make the show, they might have started labeling some things. And then I think at some point they were probably like, what if we labeled everything? That would be hilarious. Like, I think the Batman Robin polls come out of that. Whereas like, I think the Batarang is probably some sort of label for the audience. But like, then they're just like, let's just put a label on everything and that would be hilarious. Because I think, I think that also tips you off when they have those polls that it says Batman Robin, you're like, okay like why like you're thinking why the heck would you need to label those and then it just gets you into like the this show's ridiculous yeah so after they take the polls down we get the classic batman intro which is fantastic one of the most memorable intros to a show ever for just sure the no 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 batman and it's like this super retro, like comic book graphics. Um, oh man, I love that intro. It's wonderful. To, for, for me, the best Bat logo. I mean, that's my favorite. That's my favorite one. I, I have a t-shirt it. with it on right in the center. I just love it. Batman and Robin, they hop in the Batmobile. They head downtown to try to figure out this riddle. And it doesn't take long. They, they get it figured out. Why is an orange like a bell? It's because they both can be peeled. Uh, Did you get this, Tim? No, I don't know what peeling a bell is. I had to Google it. I had to Google it. They're very smart. Like if they were able to figure this out, they are very smart because peeling a bell um, is just some sort of technique in like bell playing. You know, like when they play songs on bells and they have like different bells that are different notes. Um, Peeling is a certain way to play it. And I had no idea. So they're quite smart. Now, Batman thinks the Riddler means the Peel Art Gallery. I don't know if you noticed in this scene, but he also shouldered Robin in the face so hard as he walked past him. I couldn't believe this. It was like a a hate shouldering. Like Robin is in the foreground. Batman's just behind him. And instead of walking past him, (laughs) <laughs> Batman walks through Robin and like shoulder punches him in the face. I oh, thought I it was it. wonderful. It was just I love it. Batman letting Robin know his place, letting him know who the yeah. alpha was. It's all good. You may have solved the riddle, but I'm still the man. <laughs> I'm right. still Batman. You're just the boy wonder. Yeah, I think uh, Dick Grayson paid uh, the dentist uh, a visit shortly after this. <laughs> I thought that was great, though. Uh, anyways, they head to this, um, Peel art gallery and they get a call in their car phone from the Riddler who has a new riddle. There are three men in a boat with four cigarettes, but no matches. How do they manage to smoke? So Batman and Robin break in to the art gallery. They immediately catch the Riddler. (laughs) <laughs> Seems like the episode's about to be over, but it was a setup. Great. Yeah, great job. Caught him red-handed. Yep. Riddler actually owns the items that they thought he was stealing. And Robin says, of course, he tipped us off with that riddle. So here's the riddle. There are three men in a boat with four cigarettes, but no matches. How do they manage to smoke? And they figure it out. 
Robin says, they threw one cigarette overboard and made the boat a cigarette lighter. Yeah. Yeah. This I get, Tim. What? I don't, you get this? Yes, I get this because the Riddler's gun was a fake gun. It was just a cigarette lighter that looked like a gun. So he wasn't actually holding up the guy at the art gallery because his gun was fake. So his gun was a cigarette lighter and the the riddle was that they would turn the boat into a cigarette lighter. It, it I know what they're saying. It doesn't mean it makes any sense at all. Like it's the first riddle was actually like a good riddle that you had to like be smart to solve. And then the second riddle is bonkers. It does. It doesn't make sense. It wouldn't actually tip them off to make like the, the uh, joke stop, is stop, that you, you made. Stop, the, no, that's enough. Stop. I'm stopping you. I don't I don't want I don't care about the joke. I, I don't care about Riddler's gun yes. or, or anything or Riddler's yes. the way Riddler's setting them up. This riddle doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely absurd. It's stupid. It's like a three year old like you know what if you ask a, like a three year old or a four year old, hey, make up a riddle or like make up a joke and they yeah. do it, but yeah. it doesn't make any sense because they yeah. don't understand. That's what this is. Okay, what what is this? There are three men in a boat. With four yeah. cigarettes, but no matches. How do they yeah. manage to smoke? They threw one cigarette overboard and made the boat a cigarette lighter. How do you make the boat a cigarette lighter? You throw one overboard. Overboard. You make the boat a cigarette lighter. It's one cigarette lighter now because you threw it overboard. But it's also a cigarette lighter. How how do they manage to smoke? Because the boat is a cigarette lighter now. It's a play on words, Tim. It's two things. It's you so made dumb. the boat one cigarette lighter, but you also made the boat a cigarette lighter. Okay. <laughs> They're I mean, lighting their cigarettes with the boat, Tim. It's genius. It's so dumb. It's, it's so, so dumb. painful it's and so, so dumb. dumb. So dumb. I um I was offended by it. Oh, no, no, no. I no, know. No. I know it's 66. I shouldn't have been offended. No, you're wrong. You're wrong to be offended, Tim. This is the goofy campiness. I know. This is what they're going for. This one offended me. That's fine, though. So the Riddler serves them with a lawsuit. He's taking them <laughs> to court for assault, slander, and false arrest. This Great. is his yeah, big excellent. plan. Yeah. We're going to court. It's a lawsuit. Yeah. Batman will have to share his true identity in court. Oh, that'd be bad. That'd be very bad. It'd be very bad, Tim. Things start to look up when they find two hidden riddles in the lawsuit papers. The first one is, when is the time of a clock like the whistle of the train? When it's two, two, two. I loved Robin, dude. <laughs> two, 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 two. When it's two, two, two. <laughs> Robin was so pleased with himself. Robin's good at solving these things. The next one. What has neither flesh, bone, nor nail, but has four fingers and a thumb? A glove, of course. Robin's answering all of them, by the way. Yeah, he's getting all of them, yeah. yeah so that's they, why he got a shoulder in the face. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So they head to 222 Glover Avenue. Great job. Way to go, guys. Way yeah. to go, guys. Yeah, that's fantastic uh, solving these riddles like it's nothing. Yeah. 
That takes them right to the secret headquarters of the Riddler, which mm-hmm. turns out to be a nightclub. So Robin can't go in. He's not of age. Great. Excellent. I was Excellent. not expecting that. Wonderful. Me neither. <laughs> Batman waltzes right through a full-on go-go party and yep. orders a large, fresh orange juice. The beautiful woman beside him drops him a riddle. <laughs> fucking <laughs> Riddles are fucking everywhere in this episode. Riddles are everywhere in this thing, man. Why is a quarrel like a bargain? Because it takes two to make it, she says. Then okay. she asks him to dance. She's alluding to, it takes two to tango. Let's dance. Ah, yes, right? yes. He chugs his orange juice, yeah. asks her what her name is. She says, Molly. He says, you interest me strangely. I accept <laughs> your invitation. This line, <laughs> dude, the yes. line and the way he delivered it. I was it's extremely great. uncomfortable. Yes, it's because he's already gotten like, like this orange juice is spiked in some way. And so he's already a little drunk from it or like, I don't know if they hit from him that quick. I think he's just being it weird. It did though. He's just being weird. <laughs> you intrigue me. <laughs> Anyways, I thought it was really funny. Uh, well, not really funny because it's not all that funny, but Molly is a drug that like a drug that people drop in yeah. people's drinks. I thought it was yeah, interesting. True. I'll yeah. say that yeah. this girl was named Molly and his drink got spiked all the way Very back interesting. in 66. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Batman goes out on the floor. Batman. We're talking about Batman. Heck yeah. He the goes Dark out. Knight. <laughs> dark Knight. The he... world's greatest detective. Now the world's greatest go-go dancer. He goes Hell out yeah, on the man. floor and he is go-go dancing. And yes, this is the moment where I concede this show rules. This yeah. this is I've watched 10 minutes. It's already 10 times better than Batman Forever. It, yeah. It's so much better. But as we mentioned, the OJ was spiked. Yeah. Batman appears to be very drunk. The Riddler sneaks up on Robin and shoots him with a tranquilizer then tries to drive off in the Batmobile. So he gets in. There's a large label that says start button. So the Riddler presses it, but that sets off a bunch of fireworks because that button was a decoy. Oh, no. That's beautiful. That's going to bring the police to their location. And Dean, this is what I'm talking about with how did Chris O'Donnell just get into the Batmobile and drive it away? There's no way. Totally. There's no way. He'd press some button wrong. Something wouldn't work out. Anyways, we're past (laughs) Batman forever. So we're past it. I don't want to talk. We can never go back. (laughs) Batman is drunk as a skunk. Yes, he's so drunk. He I don't know if he's drunk or drunk. I think he's drugged, but he looks drunk. He's drugged, but he appears drunk. He hops into the Batmobile. Luckily, the police show up to take the keys away from him. Yes. Because he's in no condition to drive. And he, he agrees. <laughs> he does agree. Yeah. He agrees. And Batman is so good here playing drunk. Yeah. It's, so it's good. hilarious. It's great. It's great first first uh, episode stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the Riddler has Robin. And Batman must save Robin. Yeah. The Riddler puts Robin's head in a vice, a giant vice, and starts tightening yeah. it. 
Then we realize, Dean, that this is a two-parter, and yeah. we're told to tune in tomorrow night. And spoiler alert, they say the worst is yet to come. Oh, no. The worst. They oh, said, no. here's a hint about tomorrow night. The worst is yet to come. How can it get worse than this? I don't know. Robin is almost dead. Great spoiler, though. Hey. Eh? Yes. Yes. Great spoiler. And that's it. That's the end. Um, Tim. Just, d- dude, excellent set design. Excellent yes. aesthetic to the show. It's well written. It's well acted. It's well put together. It's great production. It went by super fast. Yeah. I finished the episode. I immediately went to Amazon and purchased the entire series on Blu-ray. Hell yeah. That is awesome, Tim. I'm coming over to your place to watch these. (laughs) This is awesome. It's not streaming anywhere. It was really hard to find. I feel like this is a series that's eventually going to disappear from history. I don't yeah, know if totally. enough people are into this. I found it on on Amazon. It's still there. It wasn't a bad price. Um, but this is one that's going to disappear, and I want to have this series. I also want to cover it more on the show. So, yeah. I, I, I did okay, that. I Tim, I need to go get it as well then because I just have some random episodes that I purchased on iTunes that I just wanted to watch. So I'll have to get the whole Blu-ray set um, because this show is what I'm here for. I... I love this type of thing. This thing is so crazy that it is exactly what I want to be watching. Like, this is the open. We have to remember, this is the opening episode of a television show called Batman. Yeah. The main plot line is that Batman got served a lawsuit. That's the main thing in this. <laughs> then got he got drugged. served a lawsuit. And yes, yes, I'm getting to that, Tim. He got <laughs> Sorry. served a lawsuit. I'm just so excited by that he, part. <laughs> I know. In the very, very first episode, he's talking about having to quit being Batman because he's going to have to reveal his identity. <laughs> In the first episode, the first one you get, he's going to quit being Batman. And then the the episode ends on him drunk as a skunk behind the Batmobile wheel while Robin is strapped to a surgical table and might be getting cut open in a few minutes. This is amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. It's great. He's not getting cut open. It's he's just so getting his, his head squashed. He's getting his head squashed, but the Riddler grabbed a scalpel and then put it away. It was like he thought about it for a second. He was like, maybe I'll cut him open. We'll think about it. Mm, That's the worst yet to come stuff, I bet. That's the worst. I feel like that's the worst yet to come. He's going to get cut open or something like that. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. It's incredible stuff. I love it. But that's all we got for the and more segment. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to video games. Let's do it. Now, Dean... um, we didn't actually play video games this time. We're, we're both just bringing a couple of games to the table that we're going to talk about. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Batman, the video game. I'm going to go first because yours is basically the sequel. Well, it's not the sequel to the game, but it's Batman Returns, the sequel to the original Perfect. movie. So Batman, the video game for the NES, released in 1990 by Sunsoft. And this is obviously the video game accompaniment to Batman the movie. And this game was received as one of the best superhero games for the NES, but also one of the hardest games ever for the NES. Uh, Interesting combination there. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a side-scrolling platformer, and this game in many ways resembles Ninja Gaiden, uh, if you remember that one as Batman has the ability to do wall jumps and he also has the ability to throw 
three different types of projectiles. Uh, the Batarang, the Bat Disc, and the Bat Poon, it's called. Which bat is poon? <laughs> an unfortunate name. The Bat Poon. The Bat Poon, yeah. Great name. Um, so, I mean, this was, I feel like this was mine and every other, you know, 10-year-old kid's dream at this time was after seeing the movie, six months later, a video game comes out, and you get to play as Batman after seeing that movie. I was so very excited to play this game. Uh, this was a game that my friend got, and I was able to go over to his place, and we would just marathon this game. Um, but the plot basically follows the movie with uh, the Joker like trying to drop his nerve gas on the city, there's like some really cool animated cutscenes of the Batmobile and the Batwing, which were pretty cutting edge for the time. Um, but really what made this game so much fun was really the use of the projectiles that you got. Like the three different projectiles added such an interesting and fun element to the game. Uh, that's really what I remember being, you know, really captiva captivating for it. So... You go through five levels, you go through the city, you go through access chemicals, you go through the sewer, you go through the laboratory, and then you go through the cathedral bell tower. And it's a very high level of difficulty with the actual platforming. So there's just mm -hmm. tons and tons and tons of impossible jumps to make. And then the boss battles are very, very difficult, so... The graphics were pretty good for the time. The The music was average, though. But just the ability to play as Batman was what made this game really so magical. And I just remember me and my friend getting really, really, really far in it. We, we played it over and over and over again. Uh, it was a really interesting like team effort between the two of us. Like We were both good at it. And we both helped right. each other get past difficult areas for us. But when it was all said and done, we were just never able to beat it. It was just too difficult for us. Um, but I'm proud of how far we were actually able to get in the game. Yeah, I love those types of games where you have to switch up with your friend and some one of you is better at one t area of the game, so you'll do better at this level and the other one's better at this area. It just like it's really fun to have those types of games instead of one person just like being able to run through the whole thing or clearly being better than someone else. Those were always my favorite ones, or those ones you can just keep switching off and you're you're kind of working as a team, not like you're not just competing with each other of who's gonna be better at the game. You really have to uh like bond together and beat that thing together. Yeah, so I wanted to, like, pick this game up. I wanted to purchase it. I wanted to play it for the podcast. It is impossible to get a hold of. It's, like, absurdly yeah. priced nowadays. If right. Because you, yeah. you have to buy the NES cartridge. There's no download. There's nothing. You have to buy it on eBay. Yeah. Way too much money. So I wanted to touch on it. I wanted to talk a little bit about it, um, but wasn't able to play it. So. Okay, yeah. But after watching, I, I did watch like the full walkthrough. After watching yeah. it, I'm glad I didn't buy it. <laughs> because while I remembered <laughs> it being a ton of fun, as I was watching it, man, what a punishing game. Right, I just, yeah. I, I'm watching like a master go through it. And there were points where I was just like, oh my goodness, that is so hard. 
Like, I do not want to be the guy to try to do that. And, you know, when those masters are walking through it and you can tell they're having trouble, like that just equates totally. to a person, you know, normal, normal person just having just a hellish time with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool game, though. Um, great follow up to the movie. I remember at the time just loving it and just in that small way feeling like you are Batman. Yeah. It was a great outlet. Awesome. Um, so my turn for Batman Returns? Yeah. My turn. Batman Returns for the Sega Genesis. Now, um, I was a little bit... Like, I, I played the NES, but I was a little bit too young to really remember and appreciate those games. So Genesis is kind of what hit me. That's when I was really getting into video games. So a lot of the Genesis games are kind of my favorite ones with my best memories. And this is one of them. Batman Returns is something that we used to own. Is that correct, Tim? Did you used to own this game? I think you used to own it. Okay, then my story is might be a little messed up because this is what I remember about Batman Returns. I remember I loved Batman Returns, loved to play it, loved that game. And you would like to go to Microplay and trade games, trade games in to buy other games. And I remember you taking Batman Returns to Microplay and trading it in and eventually coming home with Bubble Bobble for NES, which I hated because it wasn't Batman Returns. Hmm. That's possible. I don't remember that. I don't remember owning Batman Returns. If I did own it, maybe I bought it and got rid of it because I didn't like it. But I think you got rid of it very quickly. I feel like we didn't have it for very long. I yeah maybe I don't remember that though okay so that's what's the memory that's in my mind I remember not having it for very long and being like asking you where it was and you saying you went to microplay but you got this game and you put in bubble bobble which is obviously an amazing game but I hated it because it wasn't bad I did go to microplay quite often yeah yeah and and a trade-in of a genesis game for a nintendo game sounds a lot like how microplay would treat you (laughs) Total, oh, totally. I remember they, they you would saying consider you were going to get trade. like 37 cents for a game or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. That's how they would treat you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I loved Batman Returns. Um, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a platforming game. You get to use your grappling hook to go up platforms. And because, because of that, um, I, it really felt like Spider-Man versus Kingpin for the Genesis, which is another, totally. we already covered it. It's a great game. I loved it. And it feels very similar to that. You can shoot a batarang just like you can shoot web. You can also get in close and punch and kick. And then you can also use your grappling hook. It's it's actually identical. <laughs> and you get to fight Catwoman and Penguin multiple times in the game, which I thought was very cool. The first boss is Catwoman. Uh, like the third boss is Penguin, and then you just keep fighting them over and over, um, kind of like the movie. Uh, so that was something that I really liked. I felt it was very rewarding as a kid to get to like the big bosses of the game right away and then be able to refight them later with strategies already. Um, it, it had a lot uh, of focus on that circus gang, that circus gang that goes along with the Penguin. And as a kid, that aesthetic was really pleasing to me. I thought it was very cool to fight these circus characters. Um, Someone for me, like who was afraid of the the movie, uh, my outlet was the game. I felt like I was connecting with the movie sort of through the game. And I knew about the movie because I played that game. Uh, So yeah, I 
I loved it. I think it's a ton of fun. Like you, I watched uh, someone run through the game and I was just remembering all those great levels. Um, remembering how after you beat bosses, sometimes you have to do small escapes from levels, things like that, that I thought was really, really fun at the time. And how there's a fight in the final credits. You fight Catwoman one more time as the credits are rolling, uh, which is very cool. After you defeat her, she falls down and cats eat her, which I feel like is not really the way that movie ends. But <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny as a kid that you would defeat her and then cats would eat her. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fun game. I, I have very strong memories about loving the game and very strong memories about being mad at you for getting rid of it. Hmm. That's probably true. I probably got rid of it. I probably didn't like it. Um, here's what I was thinking as I was watching it. I also watched the walkthrough. I immediately picked up on the Spider-Man vibe, uh, yeah. not not just on the gameplay, but the sound effects. There are some identical oh, sound effects. They're identical, yeah. <laughs> uh, it this this game felt like a bit of a mix between Spider-Man and Strider, which is why I think you probably loved this game. Those are the two another vibes. one of my favorite Sega games. Yeah, yeah. So maybe for me, like if I did have the game, maybe I was thinking like this is. Um, pieces of these two games that are so great put together but yeah. it doesn't make a better game than either of the other two games so maybe i maybe i got rid of it for that reason um they were doing some cool things they were like angling the screen um yeah. diagonally and you'd have to run like diagonally up or diagonally down and you, you could actually yeah. like coast as batman using your cape if you're going diagonally down. Oh, so cool. So, and it's so very cool satisfying stuff. to coast. To coast with your cape sure. just seems so cool to, to fly float diagonally down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved uh, the re reoccurring penguin fights. I loved at the yeah. end when you beat the penguin. Same as the movie. He goes face down. He slides yes. down a ramp into the, into the water. I thought that so was a cool. nice touch. Yeah. And then you yeah. brought up the fight with Catwoman at the end. I thought that was just like a video at the end credits. I didn't actually know that you actually were fighting her at the credits. I thought you they were just that. like replaying something. So that's really cool yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just want to touch on one more level. I, I, I mentioned escaping and uh, there's a great level that you have to like um, climb up and up and up and up to fight um, the penguin. And then after you defeat him, um, you have to take these escalators down the level while like a big boulder is chasing after you and just like flying down all these escalators that you had to use to get up um, was so fun. Uh, I just remember that being one of my favorite parts to get to the part where you have to escape the boulder and just be fast. I like that type of thing. Yeah, um, for me, it seemed like a bit of a mediocre game. You really have to be in love with Batman Returns to really want to like gr grind your way through that. But it did have some cool aspects to it. Yeah, I, I think you were a smart kid. And I think um, you weighing that it's kind of much like Spider-Man and Strider makes sense that you would have been like, well, it's it's these two games, but it's not as good as either of these two games. So I will sell it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we uh, need to put an end to this, Dean. I think we do, Tim. We did it today. We covered movies. We covered comics. We covered video games. We covered more. Yeah. And if you want more from us, oh, we actually have a Patreon, Tim. We do. Dean. We have a Patreon account with more content out there. It is patreon.com slash talking back podcast. We have 
a bunch of tiers there, three tiers, so you can choose whatever suits you. And we'll you'll get some bonus episodes from us depending on what tier you choose. And we have stuff on there like Nick Cage's great National Treasure movie. We reviewed that. We've got some 2021 releases like Shang-Chi, Matrix Resurrection, and uh, a few kind of behind-the-scenes wrap-up episodes um, that uh, we have a lot of fun with. So if you go on our Patreon and check that out, there's going to be something there for you. If you like this episode, you're definitely going to love the stuff that's on there. Definitely. Uh, and uh, very recently, we, we were spoiling things. We started spoiling things. I feel- Tim started to spoil things on the Patreon, <laughs> which if you know Tim, that is not something he does. So he is feeling so great on those episodes yeah. that he is just opening up his opening up his his heart and his mind my heart. to everyone and inviting them in. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, I was sharing yeah. what some of the upcoming episodes that we were doing. So yeah, I, Good I, stuff I was there. very I was feeling very gracious on our our Patreon episodes. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Talking Back Podcast. Check it out. Great. Um, Dean, this is the point where we both go and sleep for a couple days because of all the prep work we had to do for this episode. But it was worth it. (laughs) Dean, thanks for joining. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. However you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back where you can make a one-time donation of any amount or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.